host, Rich Conti. Here at the podcast studio inside the Charleston Digital Corridor's flagship incubator with another great episode of the CDC Tech Life podcast. One of the signs of a healthy technology ecosystem is the presence of public and private organizations that cultivate, support, and provide opportunities and potentially funding to emerging technology ventures. Ventures in Charleston and in South Carolina in general are fortunate to benefit from a variety of these organizations at the local, state, and regional level. In this episode, we'll hear from the executive director of one of the more prominent organizations that is helping to fuel South Carolina's tech economy. Today's interview is brought to you by the Charleston County Economic Development Department. They're dedicated to recruiting new business, growing existing industry, and improving Charleston's business climate. Visit them to learn more at charlestoncountydevelopment.org. Our guest on this episode of the Charleston Digital Corridors Tech Life Podcast is Bob Quinn. Bob is the Executive Director of the South Carolina Research Authority. Welcome to the show, Bob. Hey, thanks, Rich. It's great to be with you. Let's start by introducing listeners a little bit to SCRA's mission and history. Mm -hmm. So we were established in 1983 by the General Assembly of South Carolina as a public nonprofit corporation. Our mission is to fuel the state's innovation economy. We do that by accelerating technology-enabled growth in academia, entrepreneurs, and industry. Um, What are some of the benefits of being an SCRA member company? Well, just first, maybe an explanation of what a a member company is. So a company would uh, either approach us or we would approach them to uh, apply for for membership. They would then come and pitch to our, our team. Uh, and you need to be at a certain level of maturity in order to get the most out of our programs. So we may say no, we may say yes, or we may say not yet. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's important to have a viable ecosystem such as the Digital Corridor, such as Harbor Accelerator, Small Business Development Center. So we'll refer them to those resources, monitor their progress, and then uh, perhaps they then would approach us coming coming back uh, at a later date. Once you are a member, you're eligible for coaching and mentoring from our staff, as well as a network of advisors throughout the state. Uh, We provide non-dilutive grants, and then they may be eligible to receive an investment from our investment affiliate, SC Launch Inc. Yeah, it's interesting with the growth in the Charleston Tech ecosystem. You see how a lot of the pieces fit together and create that support system. So while a particular organization and their programs might not be right for you know one particular company. Mm-hmm. There's usually something else that, that can help them at the stage mm-hmm. they're at. Exactly right. Talk to me a little bit about uh, SCRA's programs, including the SC Launch program. Yeah, we'll start with SC Launch. Uh, under that, it was established in 2006. Under that, we provide support to early stage technology based companies, and I alluded to some of those elements of that of that support. Uh, next is SC Academic Innovations. So as the name applies, uh, we support academic institutions under that program, but also early stage companies where we provide similar support that and that provided under mm-hmm. SE Launch. But these are companies that are affiliated with academic institutions. Uh, next is SC Industry Solutions, under which we engage 
larger companies, industry uh, partners, understand what their highest priority needs are, and then essentially we serve as their technology scout. And we go out and uh, seek uh, technology-based solutions to those needs within our academic and entrepreneurial communities. We then de-risk that relationship by funding uh, pilot projects. Uh, we require at least a one-for-one match from the industry uh, partner, and that leads to then long-term relationships between and among those entities. Mm-hmm. And then finally, SC facilities. Under that program, we own and or manage over 1.35 million square feet of laboratory and office space throughout the state. What are some of the success stories for each of those programs? So SC launched, and I'll, I'll make these all Charleston-centric. Yeah. SC launched, I'm going to highlight uh, a uh, recent guest of yours, Earl Bridges. Oh, yeah. So we were an early partner of his, and good done great, uh, invested in him twice. They then had a successful exit with your cause, which in turn was acquired by, by your company, Blackboard. <laughs> so, yeah, we talk about uh, how Blackboard and Benefit Focus has spun out uh, a number of, of, of companies in terms of their staff leaving and creating new companies. But here's an example of spinning in. The opposite. Yeah. So le- leading t- to that virtuous cycle, yeah. if, if you will, that a viable ecosystem often has. In terms of SE Academic uh, Innovations, we primarily work with the three research universities, MUSC, USC, and Clemson, but increasingly uh, we will support predominantly undergraduate institutions like the College of Charleston and companies that are affiliated with them. So one notable example is a company called Pensavision. Joe Carson, who is a, a researcher at CFC, Fascinating. Took a technology developed for NASA space telescopes and using that technology as foundation and then factoring in AI and other uh, intellectual property, created the world's first portable colposcope for the detection of cervical cancer and pre-cervical lesions. Now, cervical cancer actually is the number one killer of women in developing developing world. So it's a good example of uh, some of our companies doing good while doing well. Right? Uh, Joe and his team did something I've never seen in my career. They got a perfect score on an NAH grant. Wow. Uh, and so it shows the, how incredible that technology is. SE uh, Industry Solutions, uh, local company Brightmaw Farms, uh, Harold's signatory is, is a, a force of nature. Uh, and Harold is dealing with the full life cycle or supply chain for uh, hemp, industrial hemp. He does it for CBD as well, but we're focusing on uh, the industrial applications of that. One example, this is fascinating, Ford back in the 1930s, uh, had a hemp car. Oh, really? Yeah. And then with the, with the onset of uh, reefer madness and all the stigma associated with it, they pulled it. Well, now 80 years, 90 years later, uh, Harold is working with them to provide uh, hemp-based raw materials for, for Ford. We have uh, funded a research project at South Carolina State to look at the genetics and the farming procedures that are specific to South Carolina's environment as well as soil soil conditions. So uh, Harold's been a a great partner. And then finally, SC Facilities, uh, Vicor Scientific, 
was a company that was in our innovation center on Meeting Street. They were quickly outgrowing that. And at the same time, we were engaged with MUSC and others about having us lease what now is 20,000 square feet of space at the uh, 22 West Edge building. Uh, we, in turn, sublease that to Vicor, so they have to actually take up the entire space. Found out later that we approached Vicor at ex- exactly the right time. They were about to um, mo- consider moving out of the area mm-hmm. for the lack of space yes. like that to grow into. So the timing was was yeah. impeccable, and we were able to work very closely with them to design the space to their exacting standards. Yeah, that's great. It's it's interesting to hear all of those stories and just sort of the breadth of technology involved. You know, um, you know, certainly in this podcast and in general in popular media, most of the focus on technology is yep. around computer software, B two B software, consumer software. But you know, really, there's so much more opportunity across such a broader space, and you're starting to see those stories start to percolate sort of in the local media and whatnot about mm-hmm. you know just how much depth there really is, and it's not just all about sort of typical digital technology. And and often, even though the vertical application may be not traditional tech, there's tech under underlying yeah. virtually all of it. Yeah, exactly. We'll talk about the overall impact. You know, you mentioned you know some of those stories were you know, local here to Charleston, but you know, there you know you talked about sort of across the state. Talk about the overall impact of SCRA on the region as a whole. Well, so every year we have Joey Van Dessen from the Moore School of Business at USC do an assessment of our total economic impact for the state. And this past fiscal year, it exceeded $1 billion. Uh, now, we did not, did not do that uh, by region, but, uh, for example, for SC Launch, about 30% of our companies are located in the uh, this region. So if uh, from a one-for-one a one standpoint, you can uh, assume somewhere in the neighborhood of $300 million in economic impact from our programs. Yeah. You, know, you think about Charleston traditionally with the big focus on defense and the big focus on the service economy and hospitality. Um, you know, thanks to SCRA and other organizations like that, you're starting to see technology sort of creep up in those those rankings. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Well, tell me a little bit about your background and how you landed in Charleston and at SCRA. Sure. Um, I'll try to give a short version of, <laughs> of that. I, I started my uh, career with the federal government, uh, mm-hmm. focused on environmental science, uh, first at EPA and then the Department of Energy. And I began uh, what ended up being a 26-year career with Battelle, okay. which is the world's largest independent R&D organization. Uh, first half of my time there was focused on environmental science. I was the VP for environmental science and then shifted over to commercialization, venture capital, economic development. So the second half of my stint there uh, was focused on that. Uh, Battelle runs a series of national laboratories for the Department of Energy, and I had the pleasure of working with two of those, uh, Oak Ridge National Laboratory and Pacific Northwest National Lab. So what brought me to Charleston, there's the long story. Uh, I'll give it a very short version. So when my family and I moved from Columbus, Ohio to to Oak to Oak Ridge, specifically you're living in Knoxville, my daughter, who was in her early teens at the time, became very ill and uh, we couldn't figure out what the problem was. And my my wife was originally from the Charleston area, so we came down here to to um for vacation. All of a sudden she was better. Uh and we went back to, to Knoxville and within six hours she was ill again. So we tested that hypothesis one more time. Same thing happened. So once we figured that out, 
she and my, my, my daughter and my wife moved down here. And for a year and a half, I commuted 800 miles round, round trip. I know every pothole. Um, and so after a year and a half, I'm like, no, no, no mas. Uh, and so I started looking into other options down here. And my boss at, at Oak Ridge said, listen, we've been trying to get someone deployed at this organization called the South Carolina Research Authority yeah. for the last couple of years. Would you be willing to do that? Has nothing to do with your, your day job. Yeah. And I'm like, absolutely. So for three years I was deployed with SCRA and boy, there's no better way of um, understanding yeah. the good, the bad, and the ugly of an organization than being um, co-located with them. And I remember saying at the time, I have no desire to leave Patel or, or Oak Ridge, but if ever I did, this is the type of organization I'd love to work for. It's a bunch of really smart people, and they're driven by a, a great mission, which is exactly what Patel was like. Well, a decade later, I had the, the I was blessed to be able to do just that and come back as the executive director. Great, we're yeah. glad you did. Um, me too. And an eight hundred mile commute that makes me you know feel not so bad about the sixty miles from Buford up here. Yeah. To Charleston. So <laughs> Everything's <great>. relative. <laughs> exactly. Um, how has the Charleston technology community in the region in general evolved over the past fifteen or so years? Well, it's, uh, amazingly, yeah. I, I know uh, Ernest cites some some figures like you know, twenty years ago we had. And these are notional figures that don't quote me on it, but yeah, 29 tech companies. And now well, I heard everything from 450 to 750, I guess, I guess it depends on how you define a tech company, right? In the day of the week, right? In the day of the week. But let's take the low end of that 450 to 500. Yeah. What, what a, what a growth uh, in, in, in 20 years. Uh, and you know, CDC played a, a major role in that. I'd like to think that, that we did uh, as, as well, but we're not alone. It, it takes a village, right? Um, and what, what's happened in that time is we've gotten past that catch-22 of not having enough of a critical mass to attract people and companies for fear that if they fail, they have to move again, right? Whereas now, if that were to, to happen, they can shift over to, to other options, other companies. And so we now have, again, one of those, those uh, uh, virtuous cycles going uh, that start to feed, feed on, uh, on itself in a very positive way. What do you think some of the next steps we need to take as a community and some of the maybe obstacles that are in the way of that? Well, I, I think the important next step is that we that needs to be taken at the state level, mm -hmm. and that is uh, incentives. Our, our state incentives and uh, some of our local and regional as well are very much focused on attracting and uh, retaining branch manufacturing, and we've done a phenomenal job of, of that. Uh, and so as compared to our neighboring states and other states to which we are competing, um, we're, we're lacking in those types of incentives to attract and retain tech-based companies. I'm happy to say that our new, I guess not so new, uh, Commerce Secretary, Harry Lightsey, this is a very high priority for him to fill that gap. And we're working closely with him and, and his staff uh, to do the necessary benchmarking to come to put together a package of incentives that in the latter half of this year will then approach the General Assembly so that beginning of next session, next January, we'll hit the ground running and getting those in place. I think that's going to help a lot. That's great. And that kind of you know leads into the next question, which you touched on a little bit earlier when we talked about just the broad you know, set of diverse technologies that SCRA is involved in. But 
talk a little bit about the importance in having that diversity and investing in that diversity. Yeah, well, like portfolio management yeah. 101, yeah. right? Uh, diversification. Yeah. Uh, life sciences is a great, great example. Uh, SC Bio just finalized uh, an economic impact study. Uh, over the last four years in South Carolina, the economic impact in the life sciences has grown from $11 billion to $26 billion, uh, one of the fastest growths in, in, the, in the Southeast. Uh, and Charleston certainly is playing a, a major role in that. Having MUSC here obviously is a foundation for that growth. I mentioned Vicor Scientific. There are many other uh, examples. And that's a Charleston Regional Development Alliance. I know is putting, I'm on their board, putting a, a lot of focus into attracting life sciences companies into the area. Uh, with the port here, a whole area of logistics and the technologies associated with, with logistics is, is a key area uh, of, of focus. Uh, and a number of others, but those those are the the biggies I believe that have shown great growth and will continue to uh, beyond tech. Always with that caveat that I cited before, there's tech underlying all of it. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting how the you know, between the different interviews, the threads that run through because you know you talk about life sciences, you talked about logistics, um, you. Other interviews we've had on this uh, podcast recently have been with some of those companies. Yeah. Avicenna Biosciences, uh, Quicksort RX, and yeah. uh, Gnosis Freight, you know, examples of all of those things. That's and it's great. really exciting to see. Yeah, Quicksort RX, rather, is uh, one of our member companies. Oh, great. Yeah. Uh, how do you envision SERA continuing to impact the community going forward? You know, what are some things that you expect to sort of stay the course on? Yeah. And what are some things you expect to evolve? We're in the process of finalizing our next three-year strategic plan. Uh, so once that's finalized, I'll be able to give a, a more definitive <laughs> answer. Um, but really, it's um, we've spent the last, well, I've been in place now for six years. We've, we've spent the last six years really fine-tuning our strategy. And so we envision that the next three years will be um, implementing that strategy in a more impactful way. Um, we're, we're blessed to have a, a strong balance sheet. and so. We want to be able to position ourselves so that when those large opportunities present themselves, that we have the, the resources uh, to play in a, in a major way. And so we're, we're constantly viewing the horizon in terms of what those, those opportunities are. Uh, one of the things that we just got in, engaged in, I think, and we're very excited about is the uh, Charleston Regional Chamber has launched the Minority Business Accelerator. And so we're supporting that both financially as well as one of our staff is serving as a mentor and I'm on their advisory committee, focusing on broadening the the reach and the engagement of uh, founders in terms of uh, greater diversity, I think is something we need to all redouble our efforts on. And this effort I, in terms of the MBA is taking place not only here, but also in Columbia, we're equally engaged there and has been up in Greenville for the last 10 years. So we're learning from their experiences as, as well. And they're all benefiting from a grant from the, the Bank of America in that regard. So uh, I think that's going to be a major area of focus for us going forward as well. Bob Quinn, Executive Director of the South Carolina Research Authority. Thanks for coming on the show today. Hey, Rich, it's been a pleasure. Where can listeners go to learn more about SCRA? It's scra.org. That does it for this episode of the Charleston Digital Corridor Tech Life Podcast. 
I hope you enjoyed learning about SCRA and hearing Bob's journey and his perspective on Charleston and South Carolina's future. This episode was brought to you by the Charleston County Economic Development Department. They're dedicated to recruiting new business, growing existing industry, and improving Charleston's business climate. Visit them to learn more at charlestoncountydevelopment.org. I also want to thank Ernest and the rest of the team at the Charleston Digital Corridor for their support in bringing this show to you. Check out our previous episodes wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And while you're there, subscribe and leave us a rating or review so we know how we're doing. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And of course, follow the Charleston Digital Corridor to stay up to date on all of the happenings here in Charleston. I'm Rich Conti, and this has been the Charleston Digital Corridor Tech Life Podcast. <music>